you are receiving this transmission, you are reclaiming the faith with Phil Baker on the Fourth Watch Radio Network. Welcome to episode 71 of Reclaiming the Faith, a podcast with a mission to reveal what the earliest Christians believed about the core issues facing us today. I'm your host, Phil Baker. Now let's dig into history. Hey y'all, thank you so much for taking time to listen to Reclaiming the Faith. Thank you for praying for me and for my podcasting partners, BDK and Justin Fall, the Fourth Watch Radio Network, along with praying for my family. We are so appreciative of those prayers. Today, I'm getting into chapter 14 of my book, New Wineskins and the Simple Words of Christ. And this is a chapter called The Divine Messenger. And it's basically about who the angel of the Lord is in the Old Testament. And if this episode is a blessing to you, please leave a rating and review on my iTunes channel, Reclaiming the Faith, as that will help others encounter this channel and hopefully be blessed by the content on it. Also, I mentioned back in 2016, I wrote this book, New Wineskins and the Simple Words of Christ, and you can find a copy of it on Amazon. You can find a hard copy or a Kindle version, and if it's a blessing to you, please consider leaving a rating and review there as well. All right. Well, as I said earlier, I'm blessed to be a part of Justin Falls' Fourth Watch Radio Network, along with BDK of Omega Frequency, who I do a monthly Q&A show with called Ready With An Answer. And if you have any questions about what I'm talking about today or anything that BDK talks about on his channel, Omega Frequency, please feel free to email me at emailphilsbaker at gmail.com, or you can hit up BDK at omegafrequency.com, and we will be sure to answer those questions on Ready With An Answer. All right, well, finally, if you uh, want to check out the early Christian writings that I quote so often, please go to scrollpublishing.com, and you can find a CD-ROM version of the Anti-Nicene Fathers for a mere $5 on that Scroll Publishing website, scrollpublishing.com. All right, well, without any further ado, let's go ahead and get episode 71, The Divine Messenger, rolling. Chapter 14, The Divine Messenger A while ago, two nice Jehovah's Witnesses came to my door, inviting me to attend their annual Lord's Supper service. I used to be hostile to the Witnesses and the Mormons and try to get them away from my front porch as quickly as possible, but now I try to be friendly, calm, and compassionate, asking questions and directing the conversation toward the person and nature of Jesus while being careful not to interrupt them as they speak. Just so you're aware, Jehovah's Witnesses believe Jesus is the first of Jehovah's creations and that Jesus was known in the Old Testament as the Archangel Michael. Well, after I let my two visitors tell me why they were visiting me, I asked if we could read two passages of Scripture. They gladly agreed and they read aloud from their Bibles. We started with Isaiah 6. Interestingly, in verse 1, where the word Adonai is used in the Hebrew, their translation used Jehovah 
meaning Yahweh. But in verses 3 and 5, their translation used Jehovah correctly, where Yahweh Sabaoth was used. I asked who they believed Isaiah saw, and they agreed he saw Jehovah. Well, we turn to John 12, verse 37 through 43. Once again, in their translation, John used the name Jehovah when quoting Isaiah, and then John stated that Isaiah wrote these things because he beheld his glory and spoke of him, that him, being Jesus, of course, and many of the Jewish leaders believed in him, but wouldn't confess him publicly for fear of being put out of the synagogue. One of the witnesses stood there stunned, mouth literally open. The other tried to steer the conversation back to their original purpose for coming. After this visitor finished, I gently showed them John's linking of Jesus and Jehovah in John 10 with Ezekiel 34 and Deuteronomy 32 verse 39. I also invited them to visit our church that Sunday. It was easy to tell God was doing a good work in that conversation and graciously bursting many old wineskins. I've had conversations with other Jehovah's Witnesses about their belief that Jesus and Michael the Archangel are the same. On one such occasion, I asked the man I was speaking with to show me one passage in the Bible where it says Jesus the, is the Archangel Michael. At first he couldn't think of one, but then he took me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through 17. I asked the man where that passage said Jesus and the Archangel Michael were the same, and he directed me to verse 16. It says, The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Well, I again asked what about that verse made him believe that the archangel Michael is the same person as Jesus, and he tried to change the, change the subject. Well, think about this for a moment. When LeBron James is introduced before basketball games, he often comes onto the court shouting. The voice of the announcer also shouts his name, and the fans blow bullhorns and use other noise-making devices. Does that mean LeBron is the announcer, the fans, or the bullhorns being blown? Of course not. So why should we make that grammatical stretch with the scriptures? In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 5 through 14, the writer makes a clear distinction between angels and Jesus, the only begotten Son of God. The writer makes it abundantly clear that Jesus is on a completely different level than all the angels. Jesus is God, and all the angels worship him. However, starting in the book of Genesis, a mysterious character appears on the scene whom the author meticulously demonstrates as being linked with Yahweh. His name? The Angel of the Lord. The first time we encounter this being is in Genesis chapter 16, when Hagar, Sarai's maidservant, flees to the wilderness to escape Sarai's mistreatment. Sarai, Abraham's wife, had given Hagar to Abraham to have children with her. Yet when Hagar conceived, Sarai despised and persecuted her, 
causing Hagar to run away. We pick up the story in Genesis chapter 16, verses 7 through 14. Now, the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. He said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress Sarai. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit yourself to her authority. Moreover, the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they will be too many to count. The angel of the Lord said to her further, Behold, you are with child, and you will bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His, his hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him, and he will live to the east of all his brothers. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God who sees. For she said, Have I even remained alive here after seeing him? Therefore the well was called Beer Lahai Roy. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Bered. Notice it was the angel of the Lord who said he would greatly multiply Hagar's descendants. In response, Hagar called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God who sees. For she said, Have I even remained alive here after seeing him? And when you look back over the story, only the angel of the Lord speaks to Hagar. The Lord himself isn't mentioned in the divine encounter. Yet Hagar called the one who spoke to her, the Lord, Yahweh, and the God who sees, El Roy. Also notice how Hagar was amazed that she remained alive after seeing the one she believed to be God. This is a theme that spans the course of the Bible. Paul sums it up clearly in 1 Timothy 6 verses 15 through 16 when he writes, God is the blessed and the only sovereign the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has ever seen or can see. Though Adam and Eve originally had bodies that were capable of walking with God in the cool of the morning, the corruption humanity experienced when they sinned prevented them from being able to dwell in the presence of God. Think of it like the sun. Though the sun is beneficial to humanity and helps sustain life, if we were to get too close to it, we would die. In fact, if we stare at it for too long, it will blind us. Kind of like Aslan in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, God is not safe, but he is good. A bit later, we will address how Hagar could be in the presence of God and yet not be destroyed. For now, though, let's examine another example of the angel of the Lord found in Genesis 22. 
This is the famous story of Abraham being tested to offer Isaac, the son of the covenant, as a sacrifice. In verses 1 and 2, God, Elohim, tells Abraham to take Isaac and sacrifice him on the mountain that he will show him. God is the one orchestrating this event. Then, in verse 11, just as Abraham is about to plunge his knife into Isaac, the angel of the Lord speaks to Abraham out of heaven and tells him to stop. He says, Do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. The text states Abraham did not withhold his one and only son from the angel of the Lord, but God was the one who initiated this event and told Abraham to offer his son as a sacrifice. Moving on, we're introduced to one of Abraham's grandsons, Jacob. In Genesis 32, verse 24 through 32, Jacob is about to come face to face with his brother Esau, who has sworn to kill him for deceitfully obtaining the firstborn birthright from their father Isaac. Jacob has split his camp into two parts and sent them across a river. There, all by himself, Jacob has a divine encounter that will prove to be a defining moment in his life. According to the writer of Genesis, a man wrestles with Jacob from evening until morning. Seeing that Jacob will not relent, the man touches Jacob's hip and is th- it is thrown out of socket. Jacob has been permanently crippled and will walk with a limp for the rest of his life. Then, when dawn is breaking, this man says Jacob must let him go. When Jacob says the man must bless him, first, the man does so by giving Jacob a name change. Jacob then names the land on which this famous wrestling match occurred, Peniel, which means face of God. He gives it this name because, as verse 30 says, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. It seems clear the writer of Genesis is saying that Jacob wrestled with God in a man's form. But does any other scripture back up that interpretation? Not surprisingly, Hosea 12 verses 3 through 5 puts forth that very idea. Speaking of Jacob, the prophet Hosea writes, In the womb he took his brother by the heel, and in his maturity he contended with God. Yes, he wrestled with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought his favor. He found him at Bethel, and there he spoke with us, even the Lord the God of hosts, the Lord is his name. Jacob wrestled with God, the angel, the Lord. Later, when Jacob blesses Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, he states, 
and this is in Genesis 48, verse 15 through 16, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. Once again, Jacob equates the God before whom his fathers walked and the God who shepherded him all his life with the angel of the Lord who redeemed him from all evil. In a previous chapter, we cited Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 9, the critical passage of Moses and the burning bush. As you look at that story again, notice that it is the angel of the Lord who is in the midst of the burning bush. Verse 2 says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. Verse 4 then states that God, Elohim, calls to Moses from the midst of the bush, and verse 7 shifts to Yahweh as the speaker. The angel of the Lord, God, and Yahweh. One last example, though there are other passages to pull from, is found in Judges 6. In this story, a young man named Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press because his people are scared of the Midianites who have been raiding and pillaging their villages. It says, starting in verse 11, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizarite, as his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress in order to save it from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. But the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat Midian as one man. So Gideon said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Please do not depart from here until I come back to you and bring out my offering and lay it before you. And he said, I will remain until you return. Then Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. And he put the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot and brought them out to him under the oak, and presented them. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, and lay them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand, touched the meat and the unleavened bread, and fire sprang up from the rock, and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. Then the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. When Gideon saw that he was the angel of the Lord, he said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. The Lord said to him, Peace to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and named it, The Lord is Peace. Peace. 
And to this day, it is still in Ophrah of the Abizarites. Now, at first, the angel of the Lord is sitting under the oak tree. Then the story indicates it is the Lord. And then it again seems to say it's the angel of the Lord. You can see that in verses 11, 14, and 21. Similarly, at first, the angel of the Lord speaks to Gideon. Then the Lord, then the angel of the Lord, then the Lord, all from the same spot. You can see that in verses 12, 14, 20, and 23. In verses verses 16 through 18, we read that Gideon was preparing an offering for the Lord, but then in verses 19 through 21, he presents it before the angel of the Lord, who touches the food with his staff and consumes it with fire. Gideon responds the same way Hagar and Jacob did when they realized that they had seen God. Except Gideon is amazed that he has seen the angel of the Lord face to face and yet lived. It seems Gideon has come to understand a key theological principle that has been developing over the centuries before him. God knew it was not safe for him to dwell with humanity. But since he is good and full of love, he longed to personally help humanity. So, At important times in human history, God sent an embodied messenger of his same will and substance in a way that his glory would not consume people to interact with them and speak on his behalf. This being was not one of the seraphim, cherubim, archangels, or regular angels. This being was not part of the created order. This being was the ultimate angel of God, the ultimate angel of the Lord, the begotten messenger of Yahweh. To help bridge the gap to the New Testament and bring clarification to who this divine, uncreated messenger of Yahweh is, let's look at one more passage from Genesis In Genesis 12, God called Abram and said he would bless him and make him into a great nation. Many years pass, and now, in Genesis 15, God reminds Abram of the promises and adds some clarification. In verse 1, we read, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. No, that's not an acid trip where someone is seeing sound or hearing colors. The Bible clearly states Abram sees the word of the Lord. Then Abram says, O Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless? That's verse 3. Then the word of the Lord takes Abram outside, tells him to count the stars, and promises that it is what his descendants will be like. Abraham believes in the Lord, and God reckons it to him as righteousness. See verses 4 through 6. The word of the Lord seems to speak and act quite similarly to the angel of the Lord. The word of the Lord came to Abram, 
And by faith, Abram believed and received the Lord God. About 2,000 years later, the word of God came to humanity again, this time as both fully human and fully God. Not only did we need a Redeemer, but we also needed God to show us what He is truly and fully like. We needed God Himself to show us how we were originally designed to live as His image bearers. John chapter 1, starting in verse 1, says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him, but as many as received him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory as of the one and only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. No one has seen God at any time, but the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, He has explained Him. Jesus, the divine Word of God, perfectly reveals and explains God the Father to a world that is desperate to understand the reason for its existence. So, May you receive the only begotten Son of God the Father, Jesus Christ, and believe fully in His name. May you take delight in getting to know the Word of God and studying His words, and may they lead you to love the Lord your God with all that you are, and love your neighbors as yourself. God bless you. Thought were fantasy.